0: Hi everyone, I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. I know you're all wondering probably why the music that traditionally opens the show is conspicuously absent because we are running on the fly today. Very, very busy day, but we wanted to get this out. I released a daily update yesterday, which is going to be a new feature of the show. So I'm actually recording this show directly onto my iPhone. So that's why there's no music. Although we may be able to find a way to add music to it to make it easier for us to do this show on the fly. The daily morning update is going to be something we're endeavoring to do most days of the week because we can do it very conveniently from the phone. It won't necessitate any music. And then we'll follow up with our main podcast later in the day. Going forward, many of the podcasts are going to be. Shorter in duration uh, because we see that as a trend. Many people are making mini podcasts now. We also realize that people are very, very busy and they don't always have time to delve deeply into some of our more serious episodes where we go close to an hour uh, sometimes. So many of the podcasts we're going to endeavor to keep less than 20 minutes. However, there will be several in the week, <clears throat> most usually on Fridays where we're going to do our deep dive podcast, where we will analyze the events of the week and spend an extended period of time uh, looking into them, explaining them, and unpacking them. But right now, what we want to focus on is the latest in a string of indictments, the fourth against former President of the United States, Donald J. J. Trump, the one that was unveiled in Georgia. Now, there's a lot of controversy about this indictment. First of all, the indictment was leaked, and now there's walking it back saying that what we thought was a leak uh, really wasn't a leak. It was a fraudulent document, but this fraudulent document that was reported by Reuters strangely mirrors with uncanny accuracy the actual indictment that was unveiled by the district attorney, uh, Fannie Willis. Now, no less than former Harvard constitutional law professor uh, Alan Dershowitz has trashed this indictment, saying, pay no attention to it. It's not an indictment by the people. It's simply an indictment by the district attorney. And anyone who knows anything about the district attorney Willis, and um, you'll know this is not a surprise. I'll be giving you more information on that in a moment, more importantly, anyone who knows anything at all about the grand jury process in this country and how it works in most jurisdictions, you know that an indictment virtually means nothing. I'm sure in the early days of the Republic, it was meant to mean something. Uh, Someone who was indicted, there was a presumption that they had maybe done something wrong or sufficient evidence to warrant a trial. But now it just means that it's a process by which Uh, People can be indicted for political reasons or not indicted for political reasons. I'll explain. Many times in the case of uh, police shootings, we have police officers who are indicted. Uh, Controversial shootings, publicly uh, notable shootings, a lot of press. So the district attorney's offices, excuse me, A lingering cough. Uh, The district attorney's offices in most municipalities being elected have the authority to simply evaluate a case and decide whether or not it should even be presented to a grand jury. But in cities that are highly politicized, like New York City, for example, uh, to do that would be almost political suicide for the district attorney. So instead what they do is they present the case to a grand jury. <clears throat> now, if they feel excuse me, that the political waves really are going to demand an indictment, they simply manipulate the grand jury to arrive at an indictment because in a grand jury, only the district attorney gets to present evidence and only the evidence they wish to present is presented, even though they're usually obligated to present exculpatory evidence or evidence that would exonerate the defendant, they often don't do it or don't do it in the light uh, that it should be presented in. And then, of course, they have the ability to charge the grand jury and give them their instructions, and then they'll manipulate an indictment. If, on the other hand, they really feel this is embarrassing, this is a bad case, it's a case we can't win. We don't want to go to trial because indicting someone, then going to trial, and not being able to win is going to cause more political unrest than going to trial. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to manipulate the grand jury so we don't get an indictment. And then when the public raises their hands, they'll say, well, what do you want from us? We gave it to a grand jury and uh, the citizens of uh, Fulton County or New York City, whatever the case may be, have decided not to indict. And conversely, if the indictment is handed down and the police unions get pissed off, they say, what do you want? We we presented it to the grand jury. The people did it. It's not us. But, of course, the people in the police unions are in the know, and they know that that's not the case. It was a result of design. Well, the same thing has happened here, not because the uh, district attorney in Fulton County fears political repercussions. No, what they've done is they've weaponized the criminal justice system against former President Donald Trump. And in this case, in a most pathetic fashion, a RICO Act racketeering? Racketeering, really? They've got 41 counts in this indictment. It's 96 pages long. And uh, I skimmed most of it. I I also read a, a breakdown analysis of someone who actually read every page And in the indictment, they almost admit, or they do admit, that any one of these acts are not criminal. Calling someone and asking them to check a recount, calling someone and say, listen, I think we won the state. I want you to check to see if any of these votes are fraudulent because I need 11,878 more votes than I have to win because I believe I won the state. So if you can... That's not asking him to make up votes. That's asking him to check votes to see if either 11 if a a number in excess of the margin of victory that went to Biden could be invalidated because they were invalid, they were missing critical information, they were dead people who voted, things of that nature, or can we find votes that may have been for me that were wrongfully disqualified? That's not a conspiracy. That is your right to ask to look into it. And anyone who's trying to say that President Trump then-President Trump knew that the election was fair and deliberately went on this direction, I think is barking up uh, the wrong tree because as recently as 2021, um, later in the year, he continued to write letters and make people aware of what he considered election irregularities in Georgia. So even well after... The presidential election, Well, you can't say he was trying to overturn an election because Joe Biden was already sworn in, um, President Trump continued to maintain that there were irregularities. Now, most people in this country, about 70, well, I'm not going to say most, but at least half the people in this country also believe that there are illegal, uh, irregularities in elections. We've seen it again with Carrie Lake in Arizona. I mean, you're trying to tell me that people don't have a right to question the Arizona election for governor? when the person who was running against her also at that time occupied the office which was responsible for certifying the election? You don't think that's a conflict of interest? You don't think that somebody else should have been assigned just to avoid the appearance of impropriety to certify that election? These type of irregularities are going on all over the place. Now, I think there's some numbers here that we can, we can look into Uh, But there were certain statements. For instance, um, President Trump had asked, well, let's look at a couple of things here. The indictment has indicted, uh, let's see, I think 18 co-conspirators, because you have to have co-conspirators to make it a RICO Act. But listen to some of the things that they're indicting him on. Now, the Georgia prosecutors argue that the post-election challenges amounted to a criminal organization that committed crimes, including false statements, impersonating a public officer. I would love to hear that one. Forgery, computer theft, computer trespass, computer invasion of privacy, conspiracy to defraud the state, perjury, and influencing witnesses. Now, the indictment alleges that the false statement occurred during three hearings before members of the Georgia General Assembly to persuade Georgia legislators to reject lawful electoral votes. The indictment also alleges that defendants recruited individuals to cast false electoral votes at the Georgia State Capitol. Hmm. According to the indictment, President Trump had sought the Department of Justice to say that the election was corrupt. The indictment also alleges uh, that efforts to have vice president, then vice president, Mike Pence, reject electoral college votes were part of a criminal conspiracy. Now, they're saying that when President Trump called on the Speaker of the Georgia House of Representatives to call a special session, uh, the indictment alleges that this is a solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. I don't quite see that. Uh, he can ask him to call a special session. So in other words, if I ask you to call a special session, if I'm President Trump, and you tell me, well, I'm sorry, Mr. President, uh, I don't disagree with you, that there may be a problem but uh, it's beyond my ability in this office to call a special session. And then I have to say, oh, okay, well, if it's not legal for you to do it, I guess then you can't do it. The mere asking of it is a solicitation of a violation of oath. And when Mark Meadows, the chief of staff of President Trump, traveled to Georgia to simply observe the signature match audit being performed, this is being characterized as an overt act in furtherance of the conspiracy, according to the... Because the audit process was not open to the public. Well, I don't really consider the chief of staff, the president of the United States, the public. And if you had nothing to hide, why would you not allow the president's chief of staff to oversee the audit? There are other statements... They're doing a lot with statements here. I, I you know, it, it seems to me that when much of your criminality that you're alleging um, relies on statements made by people, you're really treading a very fine line between calling something criminal that really is just nothing more than an expression of your First Amendment right under the Constitution. The most sacred and important right in our Constitution, which is why the framers made it First, the second most important right is the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, because the founding fathers probably had vision of chicanery like this in their minds, knew that the ability to have a freedom to speak was worth nothing if you didn't have a way to back it up and ensure that you could speak. So some of the other statements by President Trump to Georgia officials, such as, that 250,000 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the rolls in the election, that 904 people who voted were registered at one post office box address, and that you can't have 904 people all living at one P.O. box address, and that 5,000 dead people voted. These questions, these statements, amounted to racketeering activity and an overt act in the furtherance of the conspiracy, according to Georgia prosecutors. I don't think most reasonable people will believe that, and I don't think most judges would believe it either. I think when these things work their way up through appellate courts, I don't see people um, buying this argument. And let me just give you a list of the people who have been indicted along with the former president in order to make this look like a racketeering organization. Former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Ms. Ellis, Mrs. Powell, that would be, I guess, Sidney Powell, um, attorneys John Eastman, Kenneth Cheesebro, Ray Smith III, Robert Cheeley, Former DOJ attorney Jeffrey Clark. Do you think these attorneys would engage? you think men of the law would engage in acts that they believe were illegal? Lawyers are usually very, uh, they have a great deal of trepidation before they venture into any territory where they think they could lose their law license. They're very protective of that. I've noticed that over the years in my extensive dealings with attorneys. Also indicted, GOP strategist Michael Roman. Georgia's alternate electors, Sean Still. Kathleen Latham, and David Schaffer, former head of the Georgia Republican Party, Okay, Illinois Pastor Stephen Lee, Harrison Floyd, Vice President for the Black Conservative Federation, who was also involved in Black Voices for Trump. Can't have that now. Can't have Black people supporting Donald Trump. We have to punish them. Uh, Trevion Cootie, former publicist for Kanye West, Scott Hall a Georgia bail bondsman, and Fulton County Republican poll watcher, and also Misty Hampton, also known as Misty Emily Hayes, former Coffee uh, Coffee County elections supervisor. Okay? Now, even though I mentioned earlier this document that they say was fraudulent that was reported by Reuters News Service earlier in the day before the official indictment was released... The 13 counts against President Trump correspond precisely with the charges listed in the document that Reuters News Service reported. So what I'm trying to tell you is they already had this indictment ready to go before the grand jury even voted on it. This is a sham. And as many people have observed, if Donald Trump really had done something criminally wrong, it would seem to me... They would come up with one super potent, strong indictment against him, go flank speed, balls to the wall, and try and convict him on it and be done with it. With each succeeding shotgun indictment that they're hitting him with, people are beginning to realize what's going on here. They're trying to degrade the man's character in the eyes of the public. They are trying to wear him down financially, physically, and mentally. They are trying to create the appearance that he's some type of convicted felon that's yet to be convicted, so that people will not vote for him on the supposition that people who are on the fence, who are not all in for the Donald Trump MAGA movement, uh, might say, well, we really can't have a convicted felon uh, in the White House. That's what they're trying to do. And in the opinion of Alan Dershowitz and many other competent attorneys, even if convictions are secured in these cases, they will all most likely be overturned on appeal, but it won't matter at that point because the election will be over and they will have secured their goal. If this sort of thing is allowed to go on, we can kiss goodbye the rule of law in this country. We are living truly in a banana republic. But lest you... Have a question about that. Let me give you a little bit of information about the attorney who's going after Donald Trump, Fannie Willis. I have a little bit of information on her here. Okay. Fannie Willis was born in Inglewood, California, the bastion of liberalism in this country, California. She's a Democrat. And her father is a former Black Panther, which was an organization that vowed to overthrow the United States government. She graduated from Howard University in 1992 and later from Emory Law School. Okay. She opened her own, she went to work for the district attorney, then left to open her own firm, then she ran. She ran for judge in 2018 and lost. She won in 2020, becoming the first female district attorney in Fulton County. Um, now, this woman has an animus against conservatives. She has an animus against the uh, United States of America. She's probably anti, she's probably a racist. And she's on CNN last year parroting the same line that Jack Smith and all these other people have parroted. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, white, Democrat or Republican. If you violated the law, you're going to be charged. Mrs. Will- Ms. Willis, you are so full of it. Of course it matters if you're rich, poor, black, white, or Democrat, or Republican. If you're a Democrat, you can violate any law. Al Gore challenged the election in 2000 against George W. Bush. No one charged him with racketeering. Hillary Clinton said she won the election in 2016. She was quoted in an interview saying, well, obviously I can beat him again. So in her deluded mind, she thinks she won in 2016. Nobody's charging her with racketeering. She deleted 30,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by the Congress of the United States. No one's charging her with a crime. We even have the director of the FBI, who's not empowered to make these prosecution decisions or charging decisions, deciding he's not going to recommend a charge because there was no intent. And I, like someone, no one's ever explained to me how intent or the lack thereof has anything to do or any relevance with a statute that doesn't require intent in order for you to violate it. All it requires is a state of negligence. Nobody explains any of these things. We have a sitting president that we now know has over 20 shell corporations, no businesses, just corporations whereby money can be funneled in. Millions upon millions of dollars have been paid to the Biden family. They have no business. They're being paid for influence. They're being paid for decisions. They're being paid for political leverage. It's corruption. The old man sitting in the White House now is a thief, and his son is a crackhead thief. So don't insult our intelligence, by telling us it doesn't matter if you're a rich, poor, black, white, Democrat, or Republican. If you violated the law, you're going to be charged. You're only going to be charged if you're a Republican. And increasingly, it appears you're only going to be charged if that Republican is Donald J. Trump. Join us tomorrow. We'll have more. For the Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury.